Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. This is a CBC podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Andrea. She has dyslexia. Let's talk about it. Really, cheers. Cheers. Uh, what Montpellier, a great Mont- Montpellier, cheers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, what a great way to... Are you going to drink that one? Because I'll... Uh, uh, here. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, what, what a great yeah, way to kick off this, uh, this little chat here with our friend Andrea, all the way from uh, Toronto, Lockdown Central, Ooh. Toronto. Uh, but Andrea, you've, uh, you've spent some time in, in good old Nova Scotia. You've got your, your Propeller beer that you're drinking. This is a, episode's not brought to you by Propeller, but it fucking might as well. But shout well out be. to Propeller because it's a great local, local uh, <laughs> yeah. brewery. Uh, you got your Propeller brew, but you've, uh, you, went to, you went to school here, didn't you? Yeah, I went to Acadia and Dalhousie. Acadia was my first university experience. I did one year at Acadia, and I don't remember a single day. Wait, those are, those are two years. You went to the Ville a lot? Oh, uh, did I? <laughs> Ever! We collect. We went the to Ville. the Ville together. Oh, there is. I might have. I might have lost my virginity <laughs> in the Ville. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't go to the Ville that night because. <laughs> now, just a little side story here. Oh, are we doing this already? <laughs> just a little. There's, just there's a, a lot of Ville nights where people don't make it to the Ville. So for, that's for what Taylor means. Well, he doesn't remember. Uh, being just there. know. Hold on. Hold on. This is an international podcast. Yeah. For people who don't know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hanging out with people that are far too young for you is not an, uh, is not local to Halifax. <laughs> we went and did a show at Acadia, and we and Acadia then, and for people who don't know is a university, is a university in Nova Scotia, which is all a, the information they need in a very small <clears throat> town where there's nothing going on. Except like for many universities all <laughs> over North America, the university <laughs> and the bar called the Ville. Dude, this is the most universal North American experience, like small town university uh, and, no, the local, and the local bar. Someone Dude. going to Ryerson University, they're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, well, anybody who's yeah. going to like NYU or Ryerson can fuck off in this scenario. <laughs> and everybody who went to a small town university is going, I know exactly what you mean. So we went, we did a show at Acadia and then, um, and one of the guys, the, the guy who organized the show was uh, uh, used to be a paddling. Uh, I used to coach him. Used to coach Brian. Used to coach him in paddling, and so after the show, you know, we had um, we had a, they put us up in a hotel, like some little bed and breakfast nearby, and um, and 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 Brian's. Uh, I want to say okay, I keep wanting to say student, but he's your 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 pupil, um, former athlete, former athlete who's I think like nineteen. Is like, hey, like, come back to the res and let's like have a few beer. And so, I mean, we're like twenty eight at the time, and we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm going down memory lane because I'm like, this is where I almost got what? alcohol poisoning every day of <laughs> yeah. my life. I was actually, I was like, I love this kid, Ryan Tilly. I'll go and hang out with him wherever. So we're going to his university residence. I can deal with that. And it was a very 
for like it, you know, you don't realize how university university is until you're 28 in a res. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. and you quickly realize that you're not you're no longer there. <laughs> and uh, and then they wanted to go to the Ville, and they did, and I went home. <laughs> Yeah, it was quite a night. Um, uh, so uh, we'll cut right back in here. That was a long story about uh, about a university party that we had all gone to. Uh, Andrea, you live in Toronto now, and I know that uh, uh, we are going to dive into something we've never touched on on the show before. Always exciting, always exciting. You are... Now, I hope this doesn't sound wrong, and I hope I don't say it wrong. You're a dyslexic. Is that, I am. Is that, the, is, is that the a, way you yeah. said it felt wrong? I, no, sorry, what? sorry. You're a dyslexic. Is yeah. that is that the way to say I, it? I can say I had a dyslexic moment and it not be offensive. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, what is dyslexia? Um, so uh, it's been a while since I kind of refreshed myself on the definition because I've kind of lived with it since I was three. So right. I uh, I prepared uh, the the def- the currently accepted definition is uh, it's a learning disability with a neuro neurobiological base. Uh, so that obviously means uh, it's it's due to differences in in your brain structures, um, and it do- often involves difficulty in reading, spelling. Um, generally due to deficits in phonological component of language. So basically what that means is they've done studies where they have someone with dyslexia read um, doing an MRI, and then they have people who are called efficient readers, um, (laughs) which would be, I guess, all of you guys. And the the areas of my brain, that uh, dyslexic's brain that would light up are significantly diminished or um, don't light up the same way as uh, an efficient reader's brain. Okay, huh. so that sounded that sounded you said you had to look up the definition and like the stigma surrounding dyslexia for me I'm I'm immediately like well, how did you look it up? Did you have to use Siri? Did you have to use like voice <laughs> commands to be able to like to digest this information? And obviously I I know that that's that's wrong, but like well, how does it Yeah, I I think but you're on yeah. something there though, Bri, because there is like um I feel like there is quite a misunderstanding totally. of what yeah. dyslexia actually yeah. actually is. The like, pop culture like understanding is very is yeah. very rudimentary. You go, oh, you can't read. Yes. Yeah. And so I yeah. I know this, but if I was to if I was to say if I was to like say that I I didn't know that and I was to assume I was to assume what dyslexia was based off of like pop culture, it it I feel like there's a lot of people out there that almost almost think that it's like this thing that wanes, waxes and wanes, and it, it comes and goes. So it's like, oh, I'm reading the newspaper, everything's fine, but then all of a sudden, I'm getting jumbled up on the word, like welcome or something. You know, like it's and like you kind of get the very first word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Yeah. How off base is that? Um, it's not too off, off base. Um, you know, basically, you know, if you'd spoken to me when I was a lot younger before I developed coping mechanisms, I think it's like anyone you speak to with some sort of disability, you know, they learn ways of doing things throughout their lives where the disability no longer really impacts them as much as it once did. Mm. So, you know, now I'm a pretty fluent reader. Um, spelling is still a big, pain in the butt for me, but thanks to word processing, no one in my generation can spell. Yeah. So that's really yeah. been helpful. Or remember um, phone numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or remember Dude, phone numbers. I was writing down the word altogether the other day and I was like, 
all together. A L T all together. Okay. <laughs> is it A L L together or is all together is all together a word? And I, I was like so confused about what it was. I mean, it is. I, it I, is, I looked right? it up. I, I, feel like, I feel like not when only I was... would a dyslexic have a problem with that. I think ninety percent of the population <laughs> would have a problem with that. One. Like that, well, that, yeah, that's a common. That's a commonly googled search for sure. <laughs> So English is actually um, one of the harder languages yeah. for people with dyslexia because it's mm. not very rule-based. You know, they, they say it's rule-based, but then there's 20 million exceptions to the rule. Yeah. Um, and again, because it's coming from, so the best way to explain it is it's it's associating the sound of a letter and understanding how that sound works in the the overall world uh, mm. word people used to think that like dyslexics saw words backwards or letters backwards and, mm. and stuff like that that's what they thought when i was growing up but now they think it's more to do with the understanding of you know how sounds relate relate to the letter and how they get mm. get put together to form a word oh. so often letters with similar sounds um I get confused over still or similar shapes. Um, you know, in my interview, I commented on one of my most recent mistakes was I read a street sign as Diddle Street, which I thought was hilarious, yeah. inappropriate, but hilarious. Yeah, objectively I mean, funny. Yeah, you don't want to live there. <laughs> no, no, no one exactly. wants to live on Diddle well, Street. Depends on who you are. Really. Nobody wants to go to Diddle Street. That's I, for sure. Again, depending on who you ask. And I was so like I thought it was hilarious, and I, I pointed this out to my fiance, and he's like, Andrea, that says Dibble. And I was like, oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> Much cuter sounding street for sure. Dibble street. So, um, so yeah. do you do you get so is it is it is it only with reading or would you get the same sort of does the confusion happen if you were to be listening to, if you were listening to like an audiobook or something, would yeah. would this would a similar confusion happen with like with with a word that has an that has another word that sounds very much the same? Yeah, so I don't find it as much with audiobooks. Other people would, I think. Um, but I personally like I don't have any issues with that. Mm. Um, I find it more when I'm like spelling um words that sound similar. I would say now most of my spelling and reading ability comes more from memorization than actually understanding mm. the sounds behind the words. So like I'll go to write would and I'll accidentally put could just again because my brain is just like this is the it sounds like this but and again that generally only happens now if I'm tired like that's how I know that I've built up these coping mechanisms over the years because it's only really when I get tired uh, if I'm really intoxicated, um, right. you know <laughs> that's when I I start to see some of those issues pop up again. Mm -hmm. Uh, because my brain isn't functioning at max capacity to work around and, and use the coping mechanisms I've built up over the years. Is, is texting your friends or your partner, like, is it infuriating for them? Uh, I think most of them just deal with it. Right. It's probably like might be infuriating for them. Yeah, because you just said in what you just described there, I was it just made me think about my mom when she texts me, and, and I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong? Like, no, dude, that's just mom? that's just a person over fifty five yeah, well, using technology. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was thinking. I was like, is that what it is, or does my mom just have yeah. dyslexia and was never? She does. Told, she she does. She texts you in all caps. Oh, she, man. Just she just texts me in all exclamation points, and that's it. <laughs> it my, my dad texts. 
ellipses. <laughs> left, when right, my dad, and center. When my dad texts me, he writes cool, K-E-W-L, and I want to smash my phone when that I get that is, message. That is very cool. Cool. Wait, is an ellipses? Is an ellipses? Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I think both of our moms have an issue with You're that. You're right, but it's but I, I, I realized this, uh, that or I was told this, that an ellipses for our generation has a different meaning than it did for our parents' yeah. generation. Yeah. And so, so whenever we see, you know, whenever my mom uses dot, dot, an ellipses, which is all the, t- all the time, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like you're, you're, it, it conveys like annoyance or, you know, you know, um, you know, like a question mark, like you're not really sure. And, yeah. and I, and I, and I'm going, why, what, why are you, why do you feel this way? <laughs> why are you so annoyed? Have a nice day. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> but to them it's like, no, oh, the dot, dot, dot just meant I left out the portion that says, my sweet son, I love you so much. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, we're getting off track here. Uh, uh, coming back to dyslexia, uh, do you? So, so it's it's less it's less about hearing and more about the actual like reading and yeah, spelling. Like, yeah, it's called like decoding. So, uh. like it, it's like decoding. Like essentially, letters are a code, mm. um, and for everyone else. Um, you know, that code is easier to understand mm-hmm. uh, where the best way I could describe it is for someone who's not dyslexic is if you're looking at a, a different language that has different symbols mm-hmm. and um, different pronunciations of those words, you look at it and it just, you can't make it make sense in your, your head. Yeah. Um, how, it, how infuriating is that? Are you, <laughs> it's pretty infuriating. Yeah. yeah. That's you, an excellent way to put that though. Yeah, like it the is. code. Yeah. The code. Uh, analogy. Have you have you I ever mean, if you been, love decoding things? It sounds fun. Well, I was gonna ask, have you ever <laughs> have you ever been to an escape room? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually. Um, I'm wondering if you would I'm wondering if it would be a strength of yours to decode because you do you've been it so decoding like, your whole life. Yeah, because it it yeah. becomes a coping mechanism. Yeah. Or would it just be really challenging because you're like, ah, I'm trying to decode yeah. this shit, and I've got dyslexia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like word scrambles and stuff are pretty hard for me. Mm. Um, you know, like when you're growing up, probably in school, like uh, spelling was a lot more of a thing when we were in school, <clears throat> where I feel like now they're a bit more lax on it. Mm. But like I would have trouble spelling something, and they'd be like, look it up in the dictionary. And I'm like, well, I'm not even sure I got the first two letters correct, <laughs> and I don't know how those letters sound. Yeah. So like, yeah. And is this a dictionary or is this at the source? I don't know. They're two books that look the same. <laughs> well, even if I found the right word, mm. I probably couldn't read it at, yeah. at that point in time. So well, going going back to like with talking about school, what is what where does what are the uh, what are the what are the first sort of symptoms and signals that are being picked up by, I don't know, whether it's, it's probably, I'm assuming it's probably your parents or a teacher or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was my parents. Yeah. Like how young were you when you, when, when I, I was like- officially diagnosed in grade three, but my mom started noticing issues with that, like reading and, and stuff in grade one. So the mm. thing with dyslexia is it's often an unexpected deficit. So like up until the point where you start reading and writing, you're on track with every other developmental milestone. Right. 
Um, you know, you can answer questions asked to you verbally. There, there's no signs that there's anything kind of going on until like, you know, you start getting into the alphabet and spelling and stuff mm. like that. So my mom started to kind of push saying like something's not right here. Um, and it's kind of like, oh, you know, just a late bloomer. Um, those that kind of terminology was used. And then in grade three, you know, she really pushed for me to, to be tested because I still wasn't reading like, you know, those one word books that they give you in kindergarten. Cat. Like, Cat. yeah, like Ball. I wasn't. Ball. Yeah. Wall. So I wasn't Shit. reading that still. <laughs> what books were you I wasn't reading, reading that still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah um, like, like, were you like, when you say you weren't reading it, were you, were you reading it, but like just at a much slower pace or like, were you just Some like, words I, I, was, I can't even fucking say cat. Like I cannot decipher yeah. cat. So I think I probably figured out cat. Um, right. I, I can't remember for sure, but like, I think I could do most like some of the three letter words, but there were a lot of words where I was just like, I actually can't read this. Like it just doesn't make sense. And like my parents had to read bedtime stories to me well beyond the age that mm. most parents um, were reading their kids' bedtime stories. You know, I, I was thinking about uh, children's books and I feel like it would be really hard to, um, to recognize dyslexia in that like sort of primary grade one, grade two uh, phase because all of those books, those like one worded books, mm. they have the picture with the thing. So yeah. it's not like yeah. it's just a blank <laughs> page with cat. Yeah, it's like a, it's a picture a of a cat. And you're yeah. like, this that's page cat. says cat. Yeah. Like I, I can't read yeah. that, but I can look at that picture. But that's the reason, why, the they image, do, that's yeah. the reason why they do it. Yeah. Is to yeah. make yeah. the association, association so that yeah. your brain doesn't have to act. Like yeah. You don't have to fully read. You can like see it and then make the association and go. But then the second page is like, first page is cat with a picture of the cat. The second page is like, there it goes. And like, none of those words are things that you can like draw a picture. Like you see the cat walking away, but you're like, I don't know what these words mean. It yeah, was, yeah. Cats it's like grade yeah. one or grade two. And you're like, Oh, I'm fucked now. Yeah. Then, then you're just yeah. getting into like, <laughs> Pretty much. Like, yeah. Expert level charades. Like when you, when you, when, when you got this diagnosis and you know, you were obviously lagging behind, did did the did the school that you were going to kind of implement sort of like accommodations to like were they like okay we're gonna have to assign Andrea a helper and you know like like a like a, a like teacher's resource. assistant or something yeah you know? so at that time like this is kind of late nineties um, when I I was diagnosed like mid to late nineties. Um, teachers resources like that that wasn't as common in the schools I, I did go to see like the librarian during French class so I was exempt from French because like I didn't know my first language so they weren't going right. to try to make right. me <laughs> learn a, another one but you know that was kind of tough too because I would be brought out of my class and like in elementary school, you're kind of with like the same people in every mm. class. So like every class I would be taken out to go do extra work on English um, and just learning that. So I, I had that support. I had some really great teachers um, mm. in grade three, grade four and grade five. Um, and then when I hit middle school, I was pretty resistant to kind of taking any form of accommodation. Um, I think everyone can attest to the fact that middle yeah. school is like the funnest time um, and definitely not a time where you want to be taken out of class and kind of 
a bullseye drawn on you even totally. more. Yeah. <laughs> like, I smell bad and there's yeah. hair places and I don't know what's going <laughs> yeah, on. Exactly. Please let me stay in class. But that's funny because you're doing that voice as like the person who is like, doesn't want to get bullied, but that's actually how all the kids that are bullying feel <laughs> too. And they're like, uh, this is why I'm taking yeah. away anger. I, I, yeah. A recent guest, Asante, <laughs> re- referred to it as a fucking jungle. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And it is a wild, wild place. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. And my parents were doing a lot to help me outside of it. So, um, you know, one of the motivating, like I wanted to read, like I'm even now I'm a passionate reader. I love books. And so my mom used to read this book series to me at night and I'm talking like grade five, grade six, and she would turn out the light and you know how some kids like stay up late reading. But the problem was, is I needed her to be there because I didn't know a bunch of the words. So I'd be trying to read past where she left off Mm. and I would like underline the words I couldn't figure out. And then we'd go over it the next morning. Um, And then around grade seven, I finally started to read at what was called grade level. Um, So from grade three to grade seven, I I was I was reading well below grade level. And then in grade seven, um, my coping mechanisms kind of clicked and I was doing a bit better. When you Mm. say coping mechanisms, like like what are those? What is there? Was there a series of them or and and were those things that that like that naturally evolved with you or were those things that were given to you by by, you know, AIDS? So I think it's a combination of the the two. Um, you know, a lot of it was about sounding out the words, but that really didn't make sense to me. I would honestly say part of my coping mechanism was just like stubbornness right. and like blunt force. Um, and it's hard to, to put a word on. Like, I can't explain how now I'm able to decode these symbols that I struggled for so many mm. years to decode. Um, but again, I think a lot of it is, is that I do have a very good memory. So like mm. I excelled in science classes and stuff like that. Like once I read something, it's in my head. So I do feel a lot of it is more memory based than actually understanding right. the, the English language. Sure. Kind of, I mean, kind of like, I mean, that's how I imagine, I haven't tried to learn a new language in a long time, but that's how I imagine the early stages of like learning yeah. language yeah. kind of are, it's like, yeah, you just kind of it's like memorization, yeah. memorize yeah. that like this means this and this means this, which then like you yeah. eventually, eventually start to make evolve. the conversion yeah. to yeah. a, to an understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is so crazy to think about the actual like act of reading though. And like really? how your yeah. eyes are looking at these words and you're like, Oh, cause it's really like you're, I mean, when I read, I look at it and I think of, the language and I'm understanding the language that, but like really what's literally yeah. happening is like your eyes are looking at symbols, shapes, <laughs> shapes yeah. on a page. We can describe yeah. meaning like, to like that dogs could read. It's kind of crazy <laughs> thinking this, this came up, this, this thought came up earlier when you mentioned French, Should have got um, Andrea, this. <laughs> um, this uh, this came up, but I was like, ah, this doesn't. I my first inclination was that it doesn't really need to have anything to do with this. But now we've kind of like crossed into language, and I was thinking about how, like, I I grew up and I went to um, my first ten years of school. I went to I was in French immersion, and my mm-hmm. I don't my family doesn't have a background in French at all. Um, um, but I was put in French immersion, and there was there was in in Halifax there was a there's a set of there's like a, a set amount of schools that like progress through the French immersion program from kindergarten to, or sorry, from primary to, um, up through high school. 
And so like, no matter where you live in the city, you go to those schools. So like, yeah. like everybody who's in that program is from all over, um, or I guess all over Dartmouth, I should say. Um, and, and I, like, I am a, Brian, you've, you've known me a lot longer than Jeremy. Like I'm an intelligent person. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Like if you give me something that I don't understand and I'll try, I'll probably figure it out mm-hmm. and make it work. French for me, although I could speak it, it was like always, it never converted from memory to understanding. I feel like the exact same about French because I've like my, my family, like my dad's side of my family is French and I've like studied French. I even took private French class uh, courses like a year and a half ago. And like, it just, I have like a basic understanding, but I just can't call it. Like I don't, I can't call on it to like speak yeah. it. It's, it. You're always, I was always converting it from French to English and then yeah. and then processing it that way. And I could speak it and I could hear it, but it was always a conversion. I was thinking in English and spitting out in French, converting English to French and then French into English yeah. to, to, to understand it. And my grades, like I always thought I was a shitty student. And I, because I, you were you because were I was slipping in, in French because yeah. I was yeah. in, but everything yeah. was in everything French. was in yeah French. yeah no, no math no, 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 science that's what everything. I mean that's yeah. what I mean like yeah, slipping you're, in the you're language French yeah you were slipping yeah. in French and especially like, I had the same thing like in junior high. like French immersion is a because it's mostly kids who don't have a French background you're going you're 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 speaking English to your to your friends and everything but you're speaking French to the teacher and mm. the teacher's speaking French to you but then it's all English. And and it wasn't until I switched into English that I was like, oh fuck, I'm smart. Yeah. <laughs> I never even knew that because like I, yeah. I I didn't understand how to do all the work in in French. I think and, I like. For, and it's yeah. just re, it's just reminding me of like no, how that, you're that talking about a, your like learn like language. Mm. Yeah, so that is a very kind of common experience for people with uh, learning disabilities, um, like me, dyslexia specifically. You know even after you're diagnosed, like there's a lot of stigma around learning disabilities. Mm. They're an invisible disability. You can't see them. Um, and so, you know, you do like growing up in school, like certainly there's comments made about you're just lazy. Mm. Um, you're stupid, slow, um, well, you know, et cetera. Uh, and you know, the, the realization, it took me a very long time before I was comfortable using yeah. the word smart to describe myself. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. There was something you said earlier that made me kind of wonder about sort of what you were touching on there. You know, you said that your your memory is like really dialed in. Mm-hmm. Did you, because you had really good memory, yet you were struggling with, with language and with words, did you ever have like run-ins with teachers that were just like, man, Andrea's full of shit. Like, I know, yeah. I know she can fucking do this because she her memory is like, she's super on point with her memory. So like, 
this is bold. Like the, you know, because there is so much stigma and, and, and I think misunderstanding surrounding something like dyslexia that I, I can, I can only imagine there's teachers out there that just go, especially in the 90s. That's not, that's not, that's, she doesn't have anything. Yeah. Mm. And I even had like a professor, um, like I had a couple of, professors at university too, you know, like you, you could tell like they weren't going to openly um, like say they don't believe it at that point, right. but you could just tell like their attitude towards learning disabilities in general was like, yeah, okay. Sure. Um, yeah, right. sure. Uh, and especially, you know, even um, so to be diagnosed with a learning disability, you have to get this psychoeducational report done by a child psychologist. Uh, it's a pretty hellish experience because the test is designed to like identify all your weaknesses. So it's like three days long (laughs) and like, you just feel like a complete imbecile at the end of it. Um, But to get accommodations in school, that test has that, that um, educational report has to be updated. Mm. So like, it's not like you get diagnosed once and then they're like, okay, yep, you're dyslexic. You're good to go. It's like okay, prove it to me again. Oh, um, so like if you prove it to me if again, you graduate and go to a new school system, you yeah. got to go so through that I, entire I, fucking process again. If I wanted to apply to a university right now, I would. If I wanted accommodations, um, I would need to do that. Um, you know, even when I was applying to my MBA out of Acadia, because my last psychoeducational report had been done in high school, I almost had to do a new one <sighs> to get accommodations at. De- and then I was thinking of applying for a professional designation. Mm. Um, and basically what they told me was they acknowledged my sec- psychoeducational report, but because of my grades, I didn't meet You're too smart for Whoa. accommodations. Yeah. Wow. So, like, we understand that you went through the stupidity boot. <laughs> yeah. Camp, and you're but. like, I'm smart because I had <laughs> yeah. the accommodations, which allowed me <laughs> yeah, to do yeah. the work but, well. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like they want you to be shitty. What the fuck? What, what types of, so it's frustrating. What types of accommodations do they provide in that situation? One yeah, bed, one so bedroom, being- penthouse suite. <laughs> <laughs> well, not in Toronto. That would be very expensive. <laughs> $10 million. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, um, my specific accommodations um, in university where I got a word processor for exams. So like um, it, it's a lockdown computer. It basically just has word on it. So I was able to type because then I didn't have to stress about was I spelling this word correct enough that my professor could even Mm. read what I was trying to write? And especially I did kinesiology for my undergrad. So Mm. like, you know, some of the scientific terms could go real wrong, real fast. Mm. Um, And then I also got extra time, um, which I I find is the accommodation that most people are like, Oh, you're so lucky. Mm. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's not that like, I finish the test at the same time as you. And then I get an extra hour to review. It's that like the processing rate at which I'm working at this information, it takes me that amount of time to do the exact same thing you're doing. Like, being in an exam for extra time is not a fun experience. Yeah, right. You'd be like, I'd be lucky if yeah. I was you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but not yeah. if you were me. <laughs> but it is crazy because um, like those accommodations with the, I, I honestly, like admittedly coming into this conversation, I knew nothing about dyslexia other than this idea that it's like hard to read. And like yeah. hearing you talk, through um, some of the things so far, I, like when you say that the university 
provides you those accommodations for, you know, writing exams or, or whatever it is. Um, like that seems extremely reasonable Mm. to me and not like something that should be like really that hard to get, like for them to accept, to give you, I guess, like in the sense of like when you, when you go to apply for this other program, like why, you know, why wouldn't they grant you that? It seems Well, they also don't want to, I mean, you know, devil's advocate, they also don't want to make it, you know, just like a, you know, like check a box and now you've got extra time and like mm. resources sure. and things. So, mm. you know, there's got to be something, you I guess. prove but, to us you're dumb. But I mean, how often I, do you yeah. have to prove but, it? Like, but that's, that's, that's the part. Hard. That's yeah. the part. It, the part yeah, reproving it, it is weird because it's like, it's, it, yeah. unless there's something that says that dyslexia goes away, which I don't, I don't know if there is. There? I don't know if there is. No, not, not as of yet. There isn't a cure just cause like, again, it, it's based off of the way, like just my brain works. Like if they did a scan of my brain and say a non-dyslexic person's brain, different areas would light up mm. or they wouldn't light up to the same extent. Like there is, yeah. but you can't see that. So that's the problem right. with a lot of learning disabilities is that you have to prove you have it and there's mm. stigma around it. I remember like going in, to like um, uh, the student help services where like you'd get those accommodations because you do it separately from the rest of your peers. And like every now and then I would see someone who's in the same class as me and we would like barely make eye contact and both pretend just to not see each other. And like then it never gets brought up again. Like it's it's very secretive. It's so wild because like, can you imagine if, you know, I applied for a job and, and, for whatever reason, like I couldn't do a certain thing and, and it was because I have CF and they were like, Hmm, well, we're going to have to prove it. So maybe don't take your medication when you eat for a week. (laughs) And then I come in a week later, like with a distended belly. Horrible. I haven't shit in one week. (laughs) This, this insane, like, like bowel obstruction. And I'm like, hi, I'm gonna. I, this is the bowel obstruction, so you can see I have CF, and I haven't done my. I okay, can't let's breathe. give you that barium minimum. Yeah, so I'll uh, be in the hospital for two and a half weeks now, and then I got the job. That's fucked. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's fucked. fucking. You know. Yeah. So thankfully, me not getting my accommodations doesn't result in a barium barium enema. (laughs) So like, you know, lower level of concern. But it is still, you know, frustrating. And when you were talking about how it took you a while to be like, oh, wait, I'm smart. Um, You know, it's hard because uh, most people with dyslexia do have kind of an average or above average intelligence. But the main ways in society that we often communicate that intelligence is reading and writing Mm, and like grades and and all of that stuff. Mm. So growing up, I was kind of like, I know I'm smart, but like all the external feedback I'm getting is telling me I'm not smart. Like Mm, when I was diagnosed, my parents were told I may graduate high school. I may not. And wow. so, like that was where I started. It's like, <laughs> so, uh, it's like that famous, uh, the famous quote: "If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life thinking it's stupid." I think that's. Never heard that. I think that's seventy-five percent. I think you got that seventy-five percent. You know what I'm talking about, right? I think you got that mostly right. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, perfect. I think you. Got, I'll stand up for yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks. Was there? Was there? Um, did you have to deal with much Latin doing kinesiology? Yeah. Yeah. Like all the, the body terms, but again, like I just memorized them. And so like that, and that was why I picked. So 
um, my background is I, I have an undergrad in kinesiology and then I have a master's in business administration. Um, and most people are like, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. So again, because of the stigma, like, you know, it's not like I tell the whole world I have dyslexia on a daily basis. And like most of the people I work with would have no idea. Um, and as I said, in university, it was kind of, you saw someone at like student services, you made eye contact, but you guys didn't talk. You didn't discuss, Oh, I have dyslexia. I have this, like it, it's kind of under wraps. Um, so, but when people ask me that question, I do find it difficult to not bring up the dyslexia because basically what happened was in grade 12, I was actually doing quite well at school. I was starting to feel confident and it was mainly because I was doing really well in sciences and, um, uh, physical education, um, science course and and all of that. So again, because of my memory. Mm. So the one area of school I was successful in was science and, so kinesiology kind of interested me and it didn't have the requirements for physics, which I was not doing as well in. Um, so I went that route and it was really at Acadia where I kind of became kind of was comfortable saying, Oh wait, I am smart. Mm-hmm. And like it, the external factors started telling me like, Oh wait, no, you're, you're not stupid. You're not lazy. You're not slow. Like you actually are smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to think about what I wanted to do for a career. Um, and you know, a lot of the kinesiology careers didn't, um, fully interest me. Um, but I, I was working in the financial services industry as a summer student. Um, so I was like, what the hell I'll switch from anatomy to accounting. (laughs) Um, and yeah, the MBA was pretty challenging. Um, but yeah, so I think again, in my application, I put, I wasn't supposed to graduate high school and now somehow Mm. I have an MBA and I I don't really fully understand how that happened, but Mm. it did. I I got a question about the, the numbers thing. It, cause correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a difference between there's dyslexia and then there's calculexia. Is that, is that like I, dyslexia I can't numbers? say the word, Calc- so I, I can't either. say the, yeah. I know, it's like, cal- cal- <laughs> it is cal- a thing. Cal- <laughs> calculexia or calculexia or something like calculexia. that. <laughs> so cal- I honestly can't read the word, but there is a word for it. Um, and I do think there is one that's specifically related to like numbers versus letters. But to me, I found like, you know, oh no, it's dis- numbers are symbols. It's discalculia. Dis- Discalculia, discalculia. Yeah, that something a, like discal- that. Discalculia. <laughs> they did that just to fuck with everybody. They fucked. They yeah. fucked. Yeah, everyone. exactly. Yeah. Discalculia. Yeah. There's too many. There's, yeah. too, there's too many synonyms there, or too many. Uh, yeah. Um, I wanted. I wanted to ask a little bit more about like what what it's like, like what your experience is like learning in a classroom, because I imagine I'm trying to like put myself in the position of what it would be like to sit in class, even in like a science class and look yeah. at the whiteboard or the, the, Oh, the Chalk overhead board. projector, yeah. or whatever you're looking at. And see, like, even when you're, I mean, even when you're like, they're drawing <laughs> there out a cell. Overhead and, projector. Uh, yeah, totally. yeah. No doubt. I remember <laughs> like the well. little cellophane sheet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're so fucking old. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Weird. Now that we're on YouTube yeah. and like, like <laughs> I hope none of the fucking YouTube folks come over and, and listen to this episode, they'll realize how fucking old we all are. <laughs> I dad's talking about overhead <laughs> projector. What are these guys born in the Cold War? <laughs> Send me a fax. <laughs> and actually, I think maybe maybe we were a part of it. You were. You were, dude. Um, you were alive yeah. before the Berlin Wall. 
ball game. Uh, but my Fuck. my my question that I was asking there was was uh, like if so they're I'm imagining like a, a a teacher drawing like a cell and like labeling this the cell this is the cell wall this is the mitochondria this is the ribosomes and stuff now go read this paper and learn about it more like I, like what was your experience like like I I I can sort of conceptualize what it would be like to try to memorize that stuff mm. but how did you actually like digest or taking that information was it mostly oral so yeah like I, I listened to a lot of what the teacher was saying and then I was probably one of the few kids that cracked a textbook in every single class because I would take notes um uh from the textbook sometimes double um so like take notes twice. So mm. sometimes I'd take notes in class and then I would rewrite them after class um, and add in notes from the textbook. So basically, um, yeah, <laughs> I had to be a huge nerd. Um, like my mom, like early on, she had to write notes for me in like grade two and uh. three saying like, uh, you know, this homework was supposed to take an hour. Andrea spent three hours on it and she's still not done uh, kind of like yeah. notes. So like, yeah, it was, it was tough. Like I had to do a lot of extra work outside of the classroom mm -hmm. in and order to be successful. I, and when I, you're, I, wanna, I just want to hop in there. Cause I think this is a good opportunity to, to bring up a question specifically from a teacher from one of our patrons. Cool. And, mm -hmm. and cause what you just said there made me think of Meg's uh, the question that Meg's put in here. She teaches in Ottawa, and I think she teaches younger school children. Like, she's, she's like elementary, somewhere in elementary, I believe, is what she teaches. And she's asking if, if there's any tricks to help someone with language processing difficulties that you wish more teachers knew of. So the problem is, is it like it is very individual, like, right. you know, the way and the degree of the dyslexia mm -hmm. is also like I have... <clears throat> friends that I know of with dyslexia who still at like my age aren't actually reading very well. Right. Um, but I think honestly, the biggest thing is just to acknowledge that like what they're doing is hard and mm. they're not lazy. They're not stupid. And just having that confidence in them and, and giving them that extra time is, is honestly bigger than any simple trick I can mm. say. Mm. Um, and is that how, is that like when your mom was sending these notes back to school to say like, all right, you know, Andrea, she, she, she was trying to do it, but this, this is, it took way longer and she's still not done. W were those yeah. notes typically received by the teacher? Like pretty well, like were they, were they, I, I think so. Like, again, this was in grade, um, like two and three. So I don't have a ton of memory. I, I, I had an awesome, day, yeah, I had an awesome teacher in grade three. Um, and she really spent like extra time with me mm. outside of the classroom and a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. And that was just, she went the extra <clears throat> mile. Um, so I was lucky that a lot of my early teachers seemed pretty, you know, up to speed yeah. on kids with learning disabilities. It wasn't until I got to like, uh, kind of middle school onwards where I had to deal with that actual stigma mm. um, and, and teachers just saying again, lazy, stupid, like that honestly I wish like I had a quick solution for like figuring out a decoding or processing language, mm. but it, it just having the right mentality, I think is half mm. the battle. Mm. I, 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 the, the, there's, an, there's the thing that I keep coming back to in my mind and thinking about and, 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 and what we've spent a lot of time talking about is like school and learning and teachers. And, mm -hmm. and it really has highlighted for me, 
just like the, 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 I don't want to put this like the, the, the trouble or the challenge that, uh, that a school system has in, in accommodating the, the massive, massive variety of, 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 of accommodations that, that, that people need, whether they, whether they've got a learning disability or not, like even just the way that people learn, some people, some people learn by, you know, reading and writing. Some people are way more visual. Some people are far more uh, artistic and some people are much more, you know, lean towards science and technology. And that's, and, and, but it seems like everything is funneled into a very sort of like narrow spectrum. And, and, and I, the thing that I can't help, and I don't have an answer for this by any stretch of the imagination, but like classroom sizes Mm. are just, you know, I, I, I was really, really extremely fortunate and privileged to go to go to a private school in my last three years of high school, two years of high school, sorry. And I was in some classes that were me and four other people. And I know that that is like, you know, for any public school that I went to up until that point, I was in a classroom of 25 or 30 people. Mm. And yeah. just like how, and, and with, um, and with some amazing teachers, Bri, Brian, yeah. and I shared a teacher in high school, um, Glenn O'Coyne, who was like just a, f- a phenomenal human being and teacher to, to everybody who went through his door. But that got per- for beers with him a couple of <clears throat> times. He's just like an he's absolute in, While you were legend. in his class. <laughs> yeah. And that's what made him so cool. <laughs> no, he, no, he's in, no, He's incredible. But, but even, but even in a teacher who cares for every single student who walks through their door, no matter, no matter what their situation is, can only do so much when, you, when, so you've much, got thir- yeah. when you've got when you've got we had people. this conversation uh, a few weeks ago when we when uh, we yeah. went for that hike and I was just saying my my uh, easy solution is pay teachers more. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, 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 where do we go? Where do we go with that? Because there was there was, there was a pros and cons to that. Yeah, and, and <laughs> the, the cons. You guys have a lot of very serious conversations on your hike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah. one this one was productive. It, it was really. I remember being and, very intrigued and, by like, this. And like I I say that sort of jokingly paid pay teachers more like it's like it's an easy simple fix because it's not like you like you pointed out taylor like the system the system is so narrow that it doesn't accommodate this wide spectrum mm. of people who, who learn in different ways but if you paid teachers more one you would incentivize more people to come to the profession which would then allow you to um hire more teachers uh, have a less uh a more uh, closely equal ratio of teachers to students and you would attract, um, I don't want to say attract better teachers because I think that there are, like like you pointed out, there are some amazing teachers out there, but I think it would also bring, uh, incentivize a higher level of of caliber, I think, in, in teaching too. I'm just thinking it loud right now. but Yeah, there are, def- there are definitely, and now I can't remember exactly where we went with that because I know we had a bit of a, I played a bit of a devil's advocate role mm-hmm. to, not to that teachers, not that teachers don't deserve to be paid more. I, I fully agree with that. But it was like, if you only take that one action, it was, I can't, damn, I wish I could remember that. But it just, but it I mean, just, you can't have teachers driving Lamborghinis. It'd be fucking bedlam. I was know? just saying the most yeah. important thing I think in our society is, is education. Because yeah. if you want to, yeah. if you want to create any change and you want a better society, 
you have to edge it, it's yeah. it, it yeah. comes yeah. through yeah. education yeah. yeah and one thing that i um i talked about so uh one thing i did at acadia which was really cool uh, so I was part of um, the SMILE program and also in, in kinesiology. Um, and our professor challenged us to do a project that had a community impact. So in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, there's a school called Landmark, and it's a school specifically for students with learning disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my project was doing a presentation on not viewing learning disabilities as a barrier to success. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conversation I had with these students who had learning disabilities um, was that as a society, we really view kind of like the pinnacle of success as like a university degree yeah. or a master's degree, but success can actually be defined in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And, you know, the electrician mm-hmm. is probably making more money than I am right now. And I have a master's degree, like, you know, it, it there's just a very defined, you have to do this and this and this to be successful. And a lot of people with learning disabilities, the educational system isn't a great fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to do a lot of extra work to be successful in the educational system. Now that I'm in the work world, I can easily say like my dyslexia does not have a significant impact on me on my day-to-day job. What do you um, do? today what is your I work in financial I work in financial services so I'm the big bad banker um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> everyone loves to hate on <laughs> yeah. I, that makes so much sense because yeah, people can't see you but you you you've been wearing this big black top hat the whole time I didn't <laughs> yeah you know, I at first but the now, mustache and yeah. everything and the I, I, monocle. Thought that, I thought that was a fake mustache, cigar now it makes cigar sense and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this makes so yeah. much sense now yeah yeah um but so like in my day-to-day job, like, you know, everything's digital now. It's all word processing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the hard part is, and like a lot of the stats on people with dyslexia is either they make it through the educational system and they become successful or they don't make it through the educational system mm-hmm. and they, they don't do so great. And, and I think just broadening our society's definition of success would really yeah. help. Yeah. Yeah. I was having this. Yeah. And you don't, and, and like, the the fewer people that the the fewer people that we can get recognizing their their intellect um like earlier on like i experienced that at a certain point you experienced that like it it if you can if you can if you can know that about yourself as early as possible instead mm-hmm. of you know making that realization in in high school you know when you're on the tail end and like maybe it's like you've 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 you just didn't realize that you were smart because of the way that, you know, the barriers that, that presented themselves up until that point. Like you want, you want people, you want kids knowing that they're intelligent as early as possible. And you also want kids knowing that there's, that there is a very wide spectrum of intelligence. You know, it's like, it's not just, again, intelligence, intelligence isn't just based off of a couple of these key things that we've been sort of like, you know, speaking about like emotional intelligence, you know, like to realize that you're an emotionally intelligent being Mm. and not, not make that realization until you're fucking 30, you know, like that sucks. How, how much more beneficial would we be as a society if we started teaching emotional intelligence at a younger age, you know? Um, but it's, it's hard though too, because like a capitalist society well, that's isn't it. necessarily like, yeah. doesn't really no, like, necessarily doesn't prioritize that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. So it, it is, yeah. At the end of the day, it is like economy 
production. Truly, yeah. Mm. You need to produce more. Yeah, it really is. And teach it, things that make we, and, that produce and which is, things. Which is probably one of one of still to this day one of the reasons why we don't teach. You know, uh, this is something we talked about on the podcast last <clears> summer. But like, we, it's not a part of the curriculum to teach people how to love. You know, to teach people how to navigate interpersonal relationships like that's just people have i feel strongly that you can't teach middle school kids emotional intelligence but maybe after middle school yeah right yeah fucking psychos grow up a little bit and grow some pubes before we teach them anything and also like you know we could they could teach us how to do our fucking taxes considering that they're a mandatory requirement that we file that is the weird thing about living in a capitalist society that boggles my mind that we haven't been doing that yet that, that, would that would be, be really helpful. helpful. Yeah. yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. yeah. Do you that. coming back to the dyslexia and like you know where you're at now? Clearly, you are you're doing quite well for yourself. That top hat looks very expensive. The cigar, I'm only imagining, is a Cuban. Um, do you do you still struggle with your dyslexia in in ways in any ways? Like like do you find yourself in like weird not weird but like an an off hand social situation where you're like required to. I don't know, read a passage from the Bible to all your friends <laughs> and, and feel and feel weird about it or, or something or something like that. Just riffing here off the top uh, of my head. I, I've never had to read a passage of the Bible, but um, uh, yeah, like I do still have like a lot of anxiety about spelling in front of people. Right. Like, you know, if you're in a meeting and like, you know, you're supposed to, someone's writing on the whiteboard while you're, you're working and you're brainstorming. Like that gives me a lot of anxiety right. because in the back of my head, you know, we do judge people kind of like based off of their intelligence sometimes. And like my spelling when it gets creative, isn't just like, Oh, I misplaced like this letter and this letter. Like I throw in letters that make absolutely freaking no sense to throw in. <laughs> like my mom when um, she texts me. I bet, Brian, I, <laughs> yeah. bet, I bet Brian would get it. Cause he doesn't like using vowels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I'm coming up with names for uh, like brands and stuff, yeah, yeah. just ditch yeah. the vowels. He's very into when I was brands. When I was talking to Lauren, I was like, by the end of the podcast, Brian's going to think he has dyslexia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny though. I, Brian like, has every I, condition that we've ever I, ADHD talked about. and dyslexia do go hand in hand. That's right really often. interesting. I was going to ask about uh, comorbidities yeah. uh, with it, but uh, but also I like to think that I I'm I'm pretty. I like to think I'm pretty good with uh, language, even though I I haven't really uh, studied that much. But we, I was thinking of we were playing a, a word game last night uh, on oh, our Patreon hang, Patreon fun. hangout, and I get anxiety for people in like in like situations where you're like playing a friendly game, and like there are words uh, and like things where people have to like think on the spot under <laughs> there pressure. There are words involved. And, and, uh, <laughs> And, and you have to like, and whether or not you have to spell like uh, Scrabble or games like that, or I um, avoid Scrabble, like or like Mad Libs. Like, I, I was wondering, I was, I was <laughs> no. gonna ask, like, do you hate like even, I guess, picture nanograms? You get bananagrams, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I suck at bananagrams, I'm yeah, sure I'd see, walk all I over. I like bananagrams, uh, really? I have played well, I like it, but like I everyone, I only play it with people that I feel comfortable with, with other like, dyslexics. That's, yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I only play with people I feel comfortable with. Yeah. If just a bunch of dyslexics played Bananagram, you just uh, get the most 
insane words totally. and everyone would run out of their tiles pretty quick yeah. because they would add in letters yeah because you can do whatever the fuck you want at that point it's the wild west Ma- it's like maddie yeah it's just a wild this isn't right for me i was gonna say maddie knows how competitive i am at bananagrams and if we're playing with her mom i'm always like that's not a real word and i'm like messing yeah. her tiles up and stuff because uh fuck I you carol i don't want to lose i don't want to lose her yeah. name's Lori. so i would <laughs> say Lori. Like, most <laughs> that's not most a word of Lori. my most of my like Sorry. issues with dyslexia now come more from like anxiety mm. left over from when it was more of a struggle. And as I said, like I do still read things incorrectly. Mm. If there's words I haven't seen before, the chances I'm going to pronounce that correctly are like slim to none because I still really do mm. lack an understanding of how letters sound together. Um, so that definitely comes in. Oh, like I have to talk to people whose names I have right. not pronounced before. Oh and there's gosh. a lot of names that yeah. come from different languages mm-hmm. and it, it is very difficult for me. And it's, it's truly coming from like a place of like, I don't understand my own language. Like yeah, my right. first language yeah. is English and I barely have a grasp of it. So when I see these names that have consonants and vowels beside each other that I've never seen before, like everyone struggles with that, but like, I don't even have like a freaking clue. So I, mm. I try to avoid those situations where I have to pronounce it first. You just, you, you just pretend <clears throat> the phone hung up. You're like, I, 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 I just pretend I, like I'm a really I, ignorant yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> like, do, you, do you have any tricks? Because, uh, I, so I'm, a, I'm an identical twin and, uh, and I'm oh, so, Oh really? I didn't know that. I'm, <laughs> I'm so, I'm, Burn! I, I'm so used to, uh, for anybody listening to the podcast who doesn't know that, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm so used to being uh, confused for my like brother when when we were growing up, um, so it never bothered me. Like somebody would say, "Hey Dennis," and I would be like, "I'm not Dennis, I'm Brian." I still and like call you Dennis, th- sometimes. and and they're like, and they're like, cool. Like they the, oftentimes people would feel like embarrassed. Like I'm so sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to mix you up, but like and it I, happens I, I to me the same all the time. That somebody it, else. That yeah. I, I I understand that I'm an identical twin, so it never bothered me. Um, but the funny thing is, is when I was coaching these, uh, these kids when, when I was younger and, and they were identical twins and their names were Ian and Gavin, whenever I, I would want one of them, I would just, I would just say, Hey Ian. And you go, I'm not Ian, I'm Gavin. I'm like, okay, can you get your brother? And I would never like, it would never bother me saying that because I didn't, you get it. I, I totally understand yeah. it. But so I'm curious, That's really funny. is there, is there any like sort of tricks that you've learned to um, cope with situations like being afraid of mispronouncing names or words that you just kind of like lean on when you're in a situation like, I'll just say that because I know it works. Dyslexic life hacks. Yeah. Yeah. Dyslexic life hacks. (laughs) Well, like I have every now and then, like I've just said like the phrase, Oh, I had a dyslexic moment. Like when I've reversed things and I've Mm. said it offhand and like people look at me like, is that safe to say like you know that that's offensive and I'm like no no I am a dyslexic and and but even other people with dyslexia like just to give you the heads up if you call them a dyslexic they might be offended I'm not because like the whole thing is like it's a person with dyslexia and I'm sure you've heard that with other but like I don't care like I identify as a dyslexic and that's just a term I've used since I was a a kid that was the joke Um, I was going for at the very top of the episode where I was like you're a dyslexic yeah I was hoping you were gonna go no, I am a person with dyslexia. No, and I went, oh, she didn't correct me. I, I don't get. I guess, I guess she is a dyslexic. <laughs> yeah, I don't really get offended by that. Mm. Um, so in those situations, I just, I, I generally, if I have a call or something like that, again, it goes back to what I did in school. It's a mm. lot of work outside 
of the situation. So if I know I have these meetings set or I have to make these phone calls, I might phone a friend that I trust and say, Hey, how do I pronounce this? And so, yeah, yeah, you prep. So again, it's just, it's more work outside of the actual situation. Mm. And then also just, you have to have a sense of humor and which is what I know you guys do as well. Like, I just have to laugh at it. Like, you know, it's happened so many times in my life, you know, people like make jokes or stuff like that. And I just kind of have to laugh at it. Like, yeah, I thought it was Diddle Street, but it's actually (laughs) Dibble Street. Or, you know, I saw, um, you know, Brian, I might go to spell your name and I might accidentally put a B there and like, or a P there. And it's like, I was, I, I almost sense. just started yeah, clapping sorry. for you. I was like, holy fuck, <laughs> no. you spelt it. It was a B. It was a B. You did it. You fucking did it. So see, that's what I have to do. I have to aim for the wrong letter. Yeah, that's right. And right. then I'll end right. on the right, right letter. Right. But like my name has a D in it. The number of things, uh, documents I look back on where my name is A and B R E A because like I just screwed Ambria. (laughs) It sounds like you commonly like mix the B's and the D's with B's. Those are my worst letters. Um, Another thing people have pointed out to me, um, if someone's sitting beside me or watching me write, I form a lot of my letters backwards. I didn't realize I did it until a couple of people have pointed it out. Mm. So like, you know, again, like you're supposed to form a letter in a certain way, I generally form them backwards. And I, I, I don't know why that wow. is. I can't wait to title this episode. It's going to be so much fun. Is it going to be, I pray to It's dogs? just, just going to be, Ambria has dyslexia. <laughs> and, and half the letters are going to be fucking backwards. Um, yeah, that's actually uh, really funny. Yeah, Ambria, great. I do want to ask, uh, we, you know, we were I talking about like that name, actually. Ambria's a great name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've been, we've been talking about words a lot and I'm just out of pure curiosity. Um, do you have a favorite word? I don't think I do. Mm. Um, I have like, um, like I have lots of favorite books because like I'm obsessive about reading. Like I read. What's a dyslexic's um, favorite book? <laughs> What's a dyslexic's favorite? Um, so it's actually like, uh, some of you guys may have heard of it. It's called the book thief. I've um, heard of it. Yeah. So it is like more of a, like, I guess a young adult novel. And I read it quite a few years ago, but it really focuses on the power of the written word. Is it a, um, is it a young how, kid in the war in World War II? Yeah, II? it is. So it's, it's based in World War II and it's all about how, um, you know, the Nazi party really used language to like communicate their power and how language is power. Mm, so cool. I really related to that book growing up uh, because you know, my understanding of language was limited. And so that was a, like, uh, you know, I understood that power because mm-hmm. it was something I, I it took a lot of time to grasp. Um, so that, that's, that's hands down my favorite book. It's, it's a really good. Was read. that made into a movie? I'm yeah. trying to remember. If- it was made into a movie. Yeah. yeah quite a few years after. Yeah. And sort of like uh, Fahrenheit 451 or like uh, a V for Vendetta type of plot. Um, Maybe not. Yeah, they, they like, um, so they had, um, they were hiding a, a Jewish it, man in their, their basement. Oh, yeah, yeah. It sounds a lot like, um, uh, uh, I guess a little Anne bit like Frank's diary. It would be closer to that, yeah. <laughs> closer to Anne Frank than V for Vendetta. <laughs> sounds, like, yeah. sounds like C Spot Run. Oh, That's God. the only book I've ever run. It uh, sounds like Homeward Bound. Um, I love Homeward Bound. Ambria, it was uh, so sad. I, I want to ask you, I want to ask you a question that we ask most of our guests. Um, 
I can't uh, imagine what it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would you say is the biggest thing that your dyslexia has taken away from you? Uh, the ability to easily read and write. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> no, but um, um, I would say there's a certain level of uh, innocence when I was younger that it, it took away, you know, like you grow up thinking the world's all rainbows, um, lollipops and sunshine. Mm. And when there's something about you that is, is, different and you have to work, you know, 10 times harder than the person beside you. It's, it's not really fair. And and so at a pretty young age, you kind of have to learn life's not fair and you just kind of have to swallow that pill and, and work through it. Um, so I would say there's a certain level of innocence just when I was younger that it took away. And what's the biggest thing that it's given you? I would say like everyone, uh, uh, everything that I am now, um, I honestly don't think I'd be who I am now if I hadn't gone through the the challenges um, that dyslexia put me through. Um, you know, the work ethic I have, uh, it, it generally gets me through any situation. You know, to quote one of my good friends, um, I was talking to her when she was marking papers and, and TAing and and I was, she was like, you're the most abled person I know. I wish we taught all students the way you were taught, <laughs> you know, like, um, so it was tough, but I think as most of your, um, uh, most of the people you've had on the podcast will say that the challenges that they went through made them who they are today yeah. and, and they can attribute their success to those challenges. No doubt. Well, Andrea, I, I just want to say, Ambria. I would, right. Right. I would, <laughs> I would never want to play one of those matching card games with you. And you know, when you flip yeah, them up, yeah, and then yeah. you have to find the ones that you flip. Yeah, you'd kill me at Bananagrams because you'd catch all my spelling mistakes. Yeah, but I, I would do well your, at that. I'd wipe your tiles right off the table. I'd be so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> just flip the table. Uh, well, this I want to say uh, this is this, great. This was really great. It was really fun to sit down and get to know you a bit better. And. Uh, and thanks for giving us a bit of an insight into the world of, of what it's like to be a dyslexic. It's so it's so sharp. I know. There's you're like, gonna get some like hate oh, mail I know, from people. I know. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I already know. We're getting an email not, from a woman named Louise, and she already <laughs> fucking hated that. <laughs> it's not what you said; it's how you said yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this has been really fun. Thank you so much for hanging out with yeah, us. Today. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. That was... Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Sorry. That was Ambria, uh, all about dyslexia. How about it? And uh, we hope you enjoyed that. And uh, guess what? We've got lots more where that came from every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Jesus Christ, there's a lot of episodes coming out in the next little bit. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast or listen to the podcast. Oh, here comes another one, guys. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. My lord. Some of that got in my mouth. <coughs> oh, God. <laughs> what is, this, what is oh, going God. on? Super spreader. Uh, <laughs> is it like pepper in here? Fuck. Um, uh, I, you know what I'm saying. Uh, Apple Podcasts, that, that shit. CBC, listen app. And hey, we're on YouTube. Every Friday, our Feel Good Friday episodes are where you can watch. God, I wish I had a Freudian slip on the, uh, on the tip of my tongue. But I don't. So if you have any fan mail that you'd like to send our way, you can do that by sending it to... 
Oh, oh my on. God, it I'm sorry. Oh, real? fuck off. Letters at sigpoypodcast.com. And maybe we will read it on the show. You never know. And if you want to be one of our amazing guests, you can do that by going to sickboypodcast.com slash contact, fill out the form, and maybe you will be one of our sweet potato guests. And a huge shout out to the people who make this. For God's sake. Now, fuck off. Oh, Jesus. I should have uh, cleared my nasal passageways before we started this. Uh, a huge uh, thank you to the people who make this Achoo! Uh, show happen. Uh, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, Lauren Sankey, and me, Brian Stewart. That was the fucking uh, lamest achoo! fake. That was. Was. Yeah. Mine was okay. Achoo! And thanks to Jeff Lonis. Uh, thanks to Donovan the Meerkat Morgan for the amazing sound design. Hopefully uh, he just went in and cut a bunch of this out uh, so we don't embarrass ourselves. And thanks to uh, Take Part for the theme music. Do you guys want to hear a real fake sneeze? Those are real sneezes that I did, by the I, way. I, yeah, I, I, actually actually I, know I didn't real. fake sneeze. I real sneezed no, the you entire did. time. Here's a yeah, really no. good fake sneeze. Ready? So you gotta you get the breathing going yeah. so it's, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, like it's yeah. caught there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, no, that didn't you, work. You know what? You know what? My my Hold my on. least. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! You know what my least favorite sneeze is? People that do this. <laughs> and you go and you and you and it looks like their brain, like a piece of their brain, just chipped off. Yeah, I they, used to do that when and they hold my in. sneezes in, and I honestly, the pressure inside my brain felt like <laughs> is what made me the way that I am now. Yeah, that's why you can't say vulnerable anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. Vulnerable, <laughs> vulnerable. Uh, that is it for this week. <laughs> Brian, I'm that was real. That was a real sneeze. That sounded real. Yeah, it was real. That sounded real. It was real. <laughs> That's oh unreal too. Yeah, oh my god, please end it. <laughs> Alright, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Work. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.